0: Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. If there is a big-picture idea for the book of Romans, it is that sound doctrine results in sound living in Christ. Hey friends, I am uh, now officially off on my honeymoon and I will be recording some of these from the road, but I just got to share if you're newer around here and it feels a little loosey-goosey, well, it's because we're in kind of a unique period. Right now, we're going to dive into the book of Romans and I'm just going to kind of talk through this a little bit as we go. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. There is a book called The Big Idea Companion for Preaching and Teaching, and it's based around the way that Haddon Robinson put things together, which was to come up with a big idea for each something. So I've got that open next to my Bible. I'm just going to be reading through the book of Romans, and then we'll figure out what's next next, and long about the latter week, uh, last week of September is when I'll kind of be back to my regular format. Thank you for staying faithful with me as i'm uh, hoping to stay faithful with you romans chapter 1 paul a servant of christ jesus called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of god which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son jesus christ our lord who was a descendant of david according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of Holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about His Son that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, The righteous will live by faith. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over. Pause. My friends, this is verse 24 of chapter 1. And I want you to listen because you're going to hear this delivered them over line three times here in the next number of verses. And the reason it's important is because the, the nature of what happens is God is coming after us, right? right? He sent his son who to seek and save the lost. But what happens when we continually reject God? He says, hey, I'm going to go let you experience the consequences of your own junk, right? It's not his, not his desire, and he pursued you. And yet, you have a choice. And here's what happens when, when you don't choose. Picking up at verse 24. Here we go. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served what was, has been created instead of the Creator. Who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason, here we go. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men, in the same way, also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men, and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness, They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know God's just sentence, I'm going to say that again, paraphrasing, my friends. Although they know God's perfectly just, perfectly fair sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Therefore, chapter 2, Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. I'm going to pause. That sounds weird. So I'm just, going to, I'm just going to paraphrase that. What's he talking about? We know that God's judgment is based on truth. But what is he talking about when he says, those of you who judge, right? You can't read the Bible and think that we aren't called to be discerning, to make judges, uh, judgments, right? Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. What he's talking about here is you elevating your moral judgment or your human righteousness over and above God, right? Meaning... God's the judge, (laughs) the ultimate judge, and of course we, you and me, should be messengers of grace. All right, continuing. Do you think, any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and his restraint and his patience not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. When God's righteous judgment is revealed, He will repay each one according to His works. Eternal life to those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality wrath and anger to those who are seeking, self-seeking, and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does what is good, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, for there is no favoritism with God. For all who sin without the law will also perish without the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For the hearers of the law are not righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So when Gentiles who do not by nature have the law, when they do what the law demands, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciences confirm this. Their competing thoughts either accuse or even excuse them on the day when God judges what people have done, have kept secret according to my gospel through Jesus Christ. All right, my friends, that's some heavy, chewy stuff. And so I'm just going to, again, work off a few notes here. Because I realize that sometimes when you're listening to it, I mean, even though I try to read for meaning to emphasize things that help make it more understandable, this is Paul. Paul writes some chewy, weird stuff, right? So what makes God's judgment righteous is kind of the question on the table. No human righteousness can measure up to God's holiness. And so it's important for us to recognize that here that God's judgment is righteous because no human righteousness can measure up to his holiness and unless we come to grips with our own sinfulness we'll never come to grips with his amazing grace so recall that there's this jew versus gentile thing going on what is paul's message to the jews well i'm glad you asked because that's where he goes next now If you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law, and you boast in God, and know His will and approve the things that are superior, being instructed from the law, and if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law, you then, who teach another, don't you teach yourself?" You who preach when you say you must not steal, do you steal? You who say you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision benefits you if you observe the law. But if you are a lawbreaker, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. He's making a right, he's making a case now using an illustration from the Jewish law, right? I'm gonna say that again. Circumcision benefits you if you observe the law, but if you are a lawbreaker, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if an uncircumcised man keeps the law's requirements, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? A man who is physically uncircumcised but who keeps the law will judge you who are a lawbreaker in spite of having the letter of the law and circumcision. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, and true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is of the heart by the spirit not the letter that person's praise is not from people but from God so what advantage does the Jew have or what is the benefit of circumcision well considerable in every way first they meaning the Jews were entrusted with the very words of God what then If some were unfaithful, will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. Let God be true, even though everyone is a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. But if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? I'm using a human argument. Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if by my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, just as some people slanderously claim we say, Let us do what is evil so that good may come. (laughs) Their condemnation is deserved. What then? Are we any better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers venom is under their lips and their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know, we know that whatever the law says It speaks to those who are subject to the law, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. All right, we got one chapter to go. What is Paul's message to the Jews? Well, no one is righteous and he quotes Old Testament scripture saying this, right? He's quoting their own scriptures to them. No one's righteous. No one is exempt from God's judgment. And outside of Christ, everything else is sinking sand. Okay? Continuing. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented Him as the mercy seat By his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No, on the contrary, by a law of faith. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, he's the God of Gentiles too. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then nullify the law through faith? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And that gets us up through chapter three. Lord God, I just pray that this will just kind of sink in for us. Uh, And Lord, help me get out of the way. Lord, help us to just see, help us to see even by way of Paul's deep argumentation, Lord, how beautiful you are, how powerful grace is and why we need it. And Lord, I just pray that we will be moved by the fact that your grace is greater than our sin. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.